for the sermon that I got here for you tonight. And I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to read my text verse there. And then we're going to go over to Psalm chapter 15 and and take the, the I guess what you would call the outline of the sermon from there. Uh, but uh, I want you to look here in 2 Timothy 2. And we'll read a few verses of scripture here. And then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Let's start reading in verse number 5. It says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him... We shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness. We've heard some songs tonight about your faithfulness and about your return. And we believe those things, uh, Lord, are going to come to pass just like you said. Uh, They may be near or far. Those uh, fulfillments of your promises might be close at hand. They might be afar off. But whatever the case is, Lord, we know they're true. We know they're absolute. We know they're certain. And Lord, I pray, God, even the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, your son, said while he was on the earth, that thing was put in your hand. And, and Lord, you know, uh, we don't know the day or the hour, but you know. And he said the Father only knows it. And Lord, we believe that. We know it may not be very long, but Lord, we know it's certain. And we thank you for it. Now help us to be prepared for that day. Help us, dear God, to follow just as close to you as we can. Lord, so that we're not uh, found wanting in that day. And we'll thank you and praise you for everything that you do. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, now, I'm going to talk to you about, uh, about ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. And I want to preach you a message about who is going to reign. Now, I don't want you to sit here tonight because you've heard the gospel for all of your life and you've been in and around church all your life. And, you know, you get a picture of what going to heaven is going to be like. And you think, you know, everybody's going to be like little babies floating around with harps and wings and everything's going to be all right and playing on the little fluffy clouds and stuff like that. And uh, that ain't exactly the way it's going to be. But the Bible gives us an idea of exactly the way it's going to be. And, you know, everybody gets the idea, well, I'm saved, so I'm going to go to heaven. And everything there is in heaven, uh, I'm going to be able to take advantage of. And everything there is going to be uh, in the world to come, I'm going to be able to take advantage of just because I'm saved. And that ain't necessarily true either. Amen. That's not true either. And that, so he said here in verse number, he, he said in verse number uh, eleven and twelve, he said, "If we uh, be dead with him, we shall also live with him." Now, when you get saved, that's that's what he's talking about. The Bible says, "If you're dead, if you're saved, then that minute that you got saved, this old man passed away." And we're studying that, and that's about where we're at. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, he said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
And you can, uh, now we sing songs like the old man is dead, but that old man, he's alive and well. He's wrapped around your bones right now. We call that the flesh. But you do have a new man. And the Bible says because Jesus died on the cross for us, when we put our faith in Him, it's considered that we died at the cross. So He says, reckon yourselves indeed to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. And so, in a sense, we are dead right now. Your flesh is surely alive, but you're to reckon yourself to be dead. And so He says, if you're dead with Him, He said, if you, uh, if you be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. And then he goes on beyond that. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. And that is in the sense of that reign. If you suffer with Him, if you suffer for Him, you'll reign with Him. If you deny Him, and that's in the sense, if you're saved, you're not denying that He exists, but you're denying Him access to your life. The Bible talks about in the book of Timothy, he says there's some that pretend like they're religious and they pretend like they know the gospel and they pretend like they know Christ, but they deny the power thereof. And that denying the power thereof, it's denying God access to your life, access that He rightly deserves. The Bible says you're bought with a price. The Bible says you belong to Him. The Bible says you are not your own. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to do what you want to. Well, you're a rebel then. Uh, You're rebelling against God then because God said, I bought you and you're not who you used to be and old things are passed away and all things have become new. God wants to do something in your life. If you deny that, If you deny Him the opportunity to do something in you and through you, the Bible says when it comes time to rule and reign with Christ, He'll deny you. And boy, the Bible doesn't paint a clear clear picture of what will take place while you're not ruling and reigning with Him. But I wouldn't want to be in that number. You know, the old, the old uh, you know, hillbillies like myself, they sing up there in the mountains, that bluegrass. I'll be happy with just a cabin over in glory. No, you won't be happy with it. Uh, You better mark your calendar again because it's not until after the great white throne judgment that the Lord wipes away all tears. Amen. We got the idea that once the rapture takes place, there'll be no more tears. But that's not the case. The Bible says all the tears are wiped away after the great white throne judgment. I believe there'll be Christians standing behind the Lord. The Bible gives a picture in the book of Daniel of the judgment being set and the books were opened. And he said the thousands stood with him and thousand times ten thousand stood before him. I believe that's the number of the church standing behind him and standing with him as, as the body of Christ. And the thousands and ten thousands out there being judged. I believe there'll be some tears shed in the choir section. Amen. I believe there will be. I believe there will be. And it'll be shed over loved ones that we loved but didn't witness to. Now people don't want their dignity hurt. We don't want our. We don't want to lose our place in this in a community. We don't want to lose our place in our family circle. So we keep our mouth shut for the Lord. You ought not do that. You ought not do that. You say why? Go ahead and suffer for Him. Hey, you, it might be a, It might be considered suffering in your flesh because of the embarrassment that comes with saying, "Oh, you you got to live right." Now you say you got to live right, and boy, people will perk up, won't they? Oh, you better not meddle with me, preacher. Oh, you better not tell me what to do, preacher. And boy, you say one wrong word and they'll jump right on you. Hey, hey, you're not supposed to say that. But you better stand up and say it anyway. 
Amen. You say, well, all that my family will hate me because I, because the very things that I stand against, that's the very things that they like. You better stand up anyway. You better stand up anyway. Amen. You better, you better stand up for what's right. And Paul says this leading up to that. Uh, back up there in verse 5, he said, If any man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. If you want to be crowned, now that's, ain't that what he's talking about? Reigning with him? You got to have a crown to reign, don't you? So he said, if you want to be, if you want to strive for the masteries, you're not going to be crowned unless you do it lawfully. You can't do it wrong and get the right results from it. I think you understand that concept. We went over that concept many times, hadn't we? Uh, you can't take the wrong road to the right place. If you want to go to, if you want to go to Miami, Florida, you don't get on 95 North in Jacksonville. You won't get there. You've got to get on the right road to get to the right place. Is that right? And so he says in verse number 6, he said, The husbandman that laboreth... Now you know what a husbandman is. He takes care of the grapes. He takes care of the garden, so to speak. You and I, we don't, we don't grow no vineyards around here, do we? But we grow corn and uh, pinto, uh, uh, green beans and stuff like that. Well, a husbandman, that's the man that takes care of the vine. That's the man that takes care of the plants that he plants. And he says that husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruit. You've got to know something about what you're growing. Uh, you got to be able to look at it and see how it's progressing. you got to be able to have the experience to say, hey, this is doing well or it's not doing well and be able to act accordingly. If it's not doing as good as it should, you need to know what to do in order to make it do like it should. And so he says here, you've got to be first partaker of the fruits. And then he says, consider what I say, the Lord give thee understanding. And then verse 8 he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. Uh, you know how Jesus knows how to raise folks from the dead? He'd been rose from the dead himself. Right. The Lord is not playing around with something he don't know about. When he gets to the point where he says, Hey, I see this old boy over here, and he's a sinner, and I want to raise him up from the dead. He don't got to wonder how to take care of him. He knows how to take care of him. He done took the weight of the sin upon his shoulders and climbed up on an old rugged cross and died for your sins and been buried in your place and rose up from the grave again. So when he runs into you, he ain't got to figure out how to help you. He done helped you. Amen. So he knows. He said the laborer must be first partaker of the fruits. The Lord done tasted death. The Bible said He tasted death for all men. The Lord knows what He's doing. The Lord knows exactly what He's doing. Lost my place here somewhere. He says the the labor must be partaker of that fruit, the husbandman. And then he says, he says, Jesus Christ, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now the context is the gospel there. And he says about that gospel, wherein I suffer trouble. You wouldn't think that you'd have to suffer trouble for the gospel, would you? But if you stand up for the gospel, you're going to suffer trouble. I mean, if you go out and you preach the true gospel, people are not going to hug you around the neck and kiss you on the jaw. Not unless they get saved. Not unless they get saved. You say, why? Because the Bible says Jesus Christ is a rock of offense. Uh, That rock of offense goes like this. It's Jesus Christ standing in the face of a lost man saying, I died for your sins. You've got to deal with your sins. If you're going to come to me, you're going to have to take care of that thing. And boy, people get offended. I think you want to offend somebody, you point your bony finger right in their face and say, this is what's wrong with you. And boy, 
They don't want no parts of that. Now they don't mind. Now listen, you go to the average everyday ordinary church and they'll stand up and they'll say, God hates sin. Well, tell me something I don't know, Paul Revere. Everybody knows God hates sin. Now, Brother Mike, I think that you just should just be real nice because everybody knows they're sin. No, that ain't what God said. Everybody knows they're sin. Sure they know they're sin. But God said, he said, God said to Isaiah, He said, cry aloud and spare not and show my people their sin. You think they don't know what it is? Sure they do. But what you need to do is you need to connect that sin to God and say, God don't like this. And in case of the Gospel, right. you go ahead and say, Jesus died for that sin. Amen. If Jesus died for this, you call it what it is. If it's an old reprobate, you say, you're reprobate. Now you don't get up and say, now, wonderful people, God hates sin. Which is okay to say and, and, and all. But what you need to do is come right down to it and say, hey, you got to stop your lying. Yeah. I mean, you better pay your honest debts. Hey, you better quit down drinking y'all been doing. Of course, I don't know that there's any drinkers in here, but I'm going to preach it anyway. You say, why not? You'd be surprised how you catch that straight. Every once in a while. Yeah. Oh, preacher, well, I've been messing around a little bit. You say, that would never happen. Oh, you don't know people very well. Yeah. Right. I don't think you know people very well, amen? Oh, you call them a drunkard every once in a while. You call them an old cusser every once in a while. Because I know some of you let her rip every once in a while, don't you? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm? So get, let somebody catch you just at the right moment. You get old sanctified Saint you, and you'll let a blue streak cuss. <laughs> Now, hey, don't tell me Simon Peter would and you wouldn't. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> no, let me say that on this side over here. Don't tell me Simon Peter would and you wouldn't. Yeah. Right. You just get you mad enough. Yeah. Right. I just hope when they get me mad enough, ain't none of y'all around to hear it. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Amen. I had a fellow tell me, he said, I cussed a little bit, Brother Mike. I said, well... Try to get that thing right if you can. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. Uh, but most Christians are so good and so holy that if you talk to them about it, they say, oh, no. Now, let me ask you something. If we live in such a day where Christians, you can't even talk to Christians about getting right, how in the world do you expect to go out and talk to lost folks and try to get them right? right. The Bible says judgment must begin at the house of God. Right. Hey, and I'll tell you what, if you go into a church where the people won't be talked to, where the people won't be corrected. I'll tell you what, you got a church that's dead as a doornail. I don't care how loud it is, how lively it is. If you've got a church where people can't be talked to about correcting their sins, you ain't got a church where the power of God is going to rest. Right. Amen. That power of God is right directly connected with that gospel. And if you've got a place where people can't be talked to about their sins, then you're going to find a place where lost people come in and walk out and be just right. as comfortable as right. they was if they was at the movie theater. That's right. Amen. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you know what Paul says about that? My, my, somebody keeps turning my page. He says, um, you reckon the Lord's trying to mess me up? <laughs> he says here, yeah, it is that fan. But he says here, remember that Jesus Christ... Of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. If you're preaching like you ought to, if you're being a Christian like you ought to, if you're witnessing down at the workplace like you ought to, they'll call you the bad guy. If you're doing it like you ought to. Now if you go down there acting like a little 
sissy and afraid to open your mouth, well, they might... Yeah. Could I possibly invite you to church? No! Now you ain't supposed to do that. You're supposed to go, hey, hey, you need to come to church with me this week. You need to come to church with me. And if they try to bust back, you said you need to come to church. God's going to get you. Now people witness this day and time, they say, now you need to get right with the Lord. And and, and the average Christian will go, well, that's your right. They'll say, I don't want to go to church. And and Christians will go, oh, that's your right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. What you need to do when they say, I don't want to go to church, they say, well, you reprobate, don't you know God's going to get you? God's going to get you! I hope she embarrasses every single one of you. That's exactly right. The old time preachers, when they preached, and people didn't want to hear it, they didn't say, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Hey, what does it matter if you hurt their feelings when God's going to burn them in right. everlasting hell? Right. Amen. Well, the problem is, people don't want their position in the community ministry. Right. Right. People, people don't want to think, oh, that's one of them religious fanatics. Yeah. That's what they don't want to think. That's what they don't want people to think of. One fellow said that brother Mike, he's a hothead. That's doggone right. You doggone right about that. You doggone right about that. Hey, you know what we need today? We need some more hotheads. Amen. We need some people when, 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 when the when the world stands up and says, Hey, we won't we won't let the men get in your girl bathroom. We need some men to stand up and say, I'll fight you over that. Amen. You doggone right. But now if you stand up there and say, Oh, you're so you're just you're, you folks are just so you're bigots and you're hurtful and that's right. That's right. I'm about as close-minded over that thing as I can possibly be. Amen. Amen. And, and listen, you ladies. I mean, if you want to go to the bathroom with a bunch of men, I guess that's your prerogative. But I ain't never going to go for it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I ain't never going to go for it. Mm-mm. I don't. Hey, listen. I don't care if, if that thing makes everybody so mad that they take away all their money and we get dirt poor and have to run around like a bunch of field mice looking for something to eat. No, and there ain't no amount of money. There ain't no amount of business. There ain't no amount of junk in this world that would compel me to want to give up that kind of safety and that kind of sensibility to bow down to a bunch of queers and yeah. say, go up, come on in my girl's bathroom. There ain't no matter. No. I mean, that's what will make you no. blood boil. Yeah. Amen. And it don't matter to me if, if it's 30 people's blood boiling or 30,000 people's blood boiling. I'll stand with the 30. Amen. Amen. That's right. But once you do, they're going to hate you. Paul said this. He said, according to that gospel, he said, I suffer trouble as an evildoer. They're the, they're the ones out in the harlot's house. They're the one cheating their neighbor. They're the one that's greedy. They're the one that's on the way to hell. They're the one that's doing the mischief. They're the one that's stealing from one another. They're the one that's cutting one another's throat. But I tell them Jesus died for their sins. I tell them that their sins are going to take them to hell. And I suffer trouble as an evildoer. That's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's going to be. Don't you know that's about as far contrasted from Joel Osteen as you can ever possibly imagine? Right. Well, I just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I frankly don't give a rip about your feelings if it'll keep you out of hell. Amen. 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 I see my little girls, and and boy, I can see. I can. Everybody, every family's got a baby. You know it. 
Amen. And, and we got a new baby. I mean, we got two babies. There's nine years difference between our baby girl and our baby boy. And Abigail, she's always been used to being that baby. And boy, I can tell, I can see, I can see when I tell her no things hurt her feelings just a little bit more than it does maybe Tori or Madison. And I look at her sometimes and I'll tell her no and I'll see that it hurts her feelings and she'll go off to do her thing and the devil say, ain't you ashamed of hurting that little girl's feelings? I said, no sir. If it'll keep her, if it'll keep her off a of skid row, I'll hurt her feelings from now the kingdom comes. Amen? Amen. Amen. And God do the same thing around here. Amen? I'm talking about if, you, if you're going to have to get folks one to God, you're going to have to dig down deep into their conscience and get their conscience stirred up and tell them about the Christ that died on Calvary for them. And until you get them stirred up that way, I mean, you, all, the only other thing you do is convince them to become religious. Yeah. I mean, just go ahead and start going down there and say, Hey, won't you come down here and be religious with us? Because that's all they're ever going to get. I wouldn't, give you, I wouldn't give you $2 for a bunch of religion that don't change men's heart. Yeah. Right. And I never, I never found one songbook that would change nobody's heart. I never found one song that would change somebody's heart. Heart changing is not in the music you play. It's not in the atmosphere that you gender inside of a building. The change comes from the life-giving gospel of the yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. And Paul says you preach that and they'll call you the evil doer. They'll call you the evildoer. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I'm trying to get to the message, but I can't seem to get there. He said, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. They'll put you in jail. They'll put you in jail. Uh, Brother Curtis was telling me about some fellas. I mean, they ain't talking about this on the news, and, and I haven't had any first-hand knowledge of it, but boy, I'd like to find out something about it. But they was talking about some folks that's already in jail for, for saying stuff against homosexuals and stuff like that. And I don't know the details, but I don't doubt it one bit. They put that woman up there in West Virginia in jail, didn't they? Yeah. Say, so, boy, we've, we've, we've lived pampered. A long time ago, we come from a Christian principle place, a place with good Christian principles, but things are beginning to show up. Amen. Paul said, even under bonds. He said, he said, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, evildoer, even unto bonds, but the Word of God is not bound. Don't you like that? I like that verse. Whatever they do to you, they can't bind up the Word. I read the stories. I read the stories from the old time when they used to put... Christians on the stake back there in Rome and in other places throughout Europe when people wouldn't bow down and kiss Rome's big toe, they would burn them at the stake. Hey, uh, recant or we'll burn you at the stake. We'll compel you to recant. And they would burn them at the stake. I'm talking about men that even even the men that gave you this Bible, I'm talking about men that translated the Scriptures, they would strangle them to death. Strangle them to death. And they said, listen, they strangle people to death and then burn. But you know what the problem with that is? Every time they say, we're going to get rid of this one guy, and once we get rid of this one guy, all our troubles will be over. All of our headaches will be over. We can, let, we can get things back to the way they ought to be. We can rule over these people. We can run the church any way we want to. And they'd burn them at the stake. And they said, everybody the smoke would touch. We'd get right with God and get saved and go on just like the fellow they just burned. They'd cause more trouble for themselves by putting them in jail than they would. Back in Virginia, before before this country was a country, back when Virginia was a country, 
That's why people used to look at things in this country. Back, back in the old days, they didn't say, I belong to the United States. They'd say, I belong to Virginia. Right. They'd say, I, I belong to Georgia. That's what they'd say. That's what they'd say. But, boy, I wish we could get into that, but that's a whole different story. But, boy, back in the days of Patrick Henry and those men, they'd take them men up there in Virginia for preaching without a license. They as Baptists, they wouldn't. They wouldn't them old Wiscopadians. Right. <laughs> and they'd take them and they'd put them in prison. And you know what those men would do after they get, while they was out there preaching on the street? God said to get right. God said He was soon coming. And people would walk by Him and go, You know, about like they do now. Those men out there preaching on the street, the constables would come by and take them in chains and put them in the prison. And they'd be standing at the window preaching out the prison. The crowds would come. Wouldn't no crowds gather while they was out there preaching on the side of the road. But they'd be out there preaching. And somebody would come by. I mean, they'd preach a sermon and all the crowds would die out and all the crowds would leave and they'd get down to lay down on their bed and some old peasant would come by the window and say, would you mind preaching the gospel for me, sir? And there they'd go again. You say, what was going on? Suffering was mixed in there a little bit. A little bit of ridicule was mixed in there. And all of a sudden people go, they're in jail? What? Then the big dog, I mean, God's God every once in a while gets some men and shakes them loose and lets them say things that really matter. Old Patrick Henry come down to where they was locked up, stood up in front of all the councils of the town and said, I can't believe that in a land like this that we would stoop to the level where we are locking up men for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't have a license. Fully on your license. Amen. Fully on your license. You don't need a license. You ain't got a license. Hey, your license to witness, your license to preach was found in the Bible when it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Just do it. Just do it. And, and the apostle said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. Amen? We ought to do that, he says. And so he says, therefore, I endure all things. For the elect's sake. The, the fact of the matter is, he's talking about the Word of God not being bound. Hey, you can lock a person up. You can tell them to shut up. You can burn Bibles all you want to. But the Word of God is not bound. So he said, in that case, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Let them go ahead and do what they will. That's what he said. That's what he said. Listen, and I'm not talking about somebody preaching behind a pulpit in a comfortable building, in a comfortable land where where freedom uh, practically abounds. I'm talking about a man over in Europe where they would cut your head off if they wanted to and there wasn't no NAACP there to make sure you didn't get lynched. They just do what they wanted to do and if somebody didn't like it, oh well, I bet they didn't speak up about it. And in, in the face of that, he says, I do this to, for the election. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Me and her's going to have a good time anyway. Amen. That's right. That's right. So he said, he said this. He said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Say, so, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Do you want to be saved? Want to be saved? You want that salvation? You, want, you know, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. You've got to put it out there. 
It will make them mad, but you've got to put it out there. You say, well, it'll hurt. It, 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 people will talk bad about me. They'll hurt my name. They'll hurt my feelings. They'll hurt my, my, my testimony. They'll, they'll say bad things about me. They'll talk bad about me. Well, you can put up with that. And the Bible says if you suffer with Him, you'll also reign with Him. Now, boy, let's get to part two of the message and turn and look in Psalm chapter 15. And we'll talk about who's going to reign with Him. And I believe this message, or this chapter, it's a short chapter you can see. There ain't no way I could preach more than ten minutes on a chapter that didn't have but five verses in it. But boy, there's a good estimation right there of who is going to reign with Christ. Even You say it's Old Testament. That don't make no difference. It's truth. Amen? And so let's look what it says. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? That's God's house. And he said, Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Now that's where the devil wanted to go. He said, I'll send up above the sides of the north. He said, I'll put my throne above the stars of God. He said, I'll be worshipped. But now the Lord said, I'll tell you who's going to get worshipped. He says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And then, now here's the answer. Verse 1 is the question. Verse 2, 3, 4, and 5 is the answer. And this is who's going to reign with Christ. I'll tell you this. And if you'll do these things, I promise you somebody's going to start talking bad about you. Now, I'm not talking about glutton for punishment. I hope you get away with it as long as you possibly can. I hope you go witness to your family and they all get saved. I hope not a one of them gets mad at you. Listen, I hope you go down to your buddies that's still on dope and still on alcohol and still running around and I hope when you witness to them you get everyone out. I'm not trying to make you go out and commit uh, characteristic suicide. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell you to go out and make enemies of all your friends. I don't want that to happen to you but I know it will. I know some of them are going to turn around and leave you. Not going to, one, one preacher said when I first got saved he said I wanted to live for the Lord and I didn't know what I was going to do about my friends. I mean all my friends was rough and fighters and drunkards and, and card players and pool sharks and he said I didn't know how in the world I was going to tell my friend. So he went and asked his preacher that made for the Lord he said how am I going to do this? He said son you ain't got to get rid of your friends. He said I got a little sigh of relief there. I thought maybe I could still hang out with him. And he said, no, son, you just go tell them about the Jesus that saved you, and they'll get rid of you. And that's exactly right. Yes, sir. You don't have to be put in a place where you walk away and look like a uh, look like a better than thou. Or a, and I'll tell you what, if you forsake your friends and never go back to them, and you don't never tell them about the gospel, that's exactly what they're going to say. Look at old holier than thou. He's not good enough to hang out with us no more. That's right. But I'll tell you what, you go back and find them. I don't mean find them at the beer joint. If they're your friends, you know where they live. That's right. Well, what was you doing at the beer joint? Well, preacher, you know I've got to go witness to my friends. No, you know their address. If you don't know their address, they're not your friends. If, you, if you're not living, if you don't read ciphers and you don't know the actual number and address, you know where their house is. Right. Don't you? Right. Don't you? Don't you? I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. Not back to the beer joint. Right. But if you go down and find their house and say, Hey, I want to tell you what the Lord's done for me. It won't be long. And they'll abandon you. Right. And then they won't be able to say, they won't be able to say, oh, he's an old holy roller now. Because they're the one that left you. Yeah, that's right. As a matter of fact, you can, matter of fact, you can turn the tables on them. They'll say, we don't want to hang out with you no more. They'll say, well, what's the matter with you? Are you a bigot? Mm-hmm. Ain't that what they say, Brother Clint, if you don't want to run with them? 
Oh, you're closed mind. Go tell them about Jesus. Say, don't you like that? That's a no, I feel alone couple. What's the matter with you, you big? Yeah. Hmm? Turn about fair play, eh? Yeah. Got off a quiet right there. For some reason, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Well, let's look and see what it says here. I promise you, if you'll do these things right here, and these, of course, is in addition to... You've got to tell folks how to be saved. Now, you can't just go up to somebody and say, drinking will send you to hell, because drinking don't send you to hell. Right. But I tell you what, once you start preaching the gospel that Jesus died for your sins, some of that stuff going to fall by the wayside. And I'm not saying when you get saved, you'll quit every sin you ever sinned. But boy, you'll get in line for that. Amen? I believe that. I don't believe there's one man, I don't believe there's one man on the face of this planet that ever got saved and quit all of his sinning that day. He might have turned from a reprobate into a pretty good old boy because salvation will do that for you. But I don't know one that quit all of their sinning all. But I tell you what, they got in that line. And the old song used to say, Oh, I'm glad to be in that number. When you get saved, you get in the number. And you get in that line, and boy, you're heading towards better days. Amen. Amen. And boy, that, the world's not going to be happy you in that line. I'll tell you that right now. But I'll tell you what, you get saved and you start preaching the gospel, some of these things are going to show up in your life. I guarantee you these things are going to show up in your life. And so if you're going to reign with Christ, this is a description of your life. And you just take accounts and say, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. This is a perfect chapter to do that examination with. And let's look at it. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. He that walketh uprightly. Have you been walking uprightly? That means doing right, by the way. Uh, Sinfulness and wickedness is considered gutter dwelling. It's considered skid row life. It's considered wallowing in the ditch. We skipped over the verse this morning when I was preaching, but it said, if the blind follow the blind, they both fall in the ditch. That's low walking. That's low living. But the Bible's high living. Yes, sir. I mean, the Bible way of doing things is high living. I mean, it's good living. Hey, you don't find the good life on the other side of the railroad tracks where all the houses are nice and all the cars are pretty. You find the high life inside an old, old town. Bible-believing church. That's where you find the high life. Right. Amen. You don't find high life in a package of Miller beer. You find the high life right there in that right. right. And the Bible says, who's going to dwell in this holy hill? Who's going to reign with Him? Them that walk up right. Just do the right thing. Well, oh, you think something of yourself, don't you? You're not good enough to hang out with us no more, are you? Say, well, I tell you what, I think very highly of my Savior. <coughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. I don't think too highly of me, but I think awful highly of my Savior. Yeah. If He died for sins, now I'm going to start doing right. I'm going to start doing the right thing. That ain't too much to ask, is it? The Bible says you to offer your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Yeah. It's reasonable to do right. And you don't walk up rightly because you think you're better than everybody else. You walk up rightly because the man that died for your sins is better than everybody else. Right. Amen? Amen? So you say, I wonder if I'm going to reign with Christ or not. Are you walking up rightly? Are you walking up rightly? And when the Bible talks about your walk, it's talking about what people see. Don't you know you're a hypocrite? 
Don't you know that we are? Us Christians who live in the flesh are hypocritical. Simply because of the fact that we are weak through this flesh. Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 7, he said, the things that I hate, I do. Yet we're that weak. The Bible can teach us and bring us to the place where we hate stuff, but yet the flesh be weak enough to actually do some of those things that we hate, that we know is wrong. Amen. Amen. But you ought, listen, you ought not to go out and flaunt that. Well, my flesh is weak, so I'm just going to... No. Somebody's watching. Somebody knows you're going to church now. And when the Bible talks about walking uprightly, it's talking about how people see your life. It's talking about your testimony. It's talking about the way people see you, the way people observe you. When you to get out in public, you're supposed to do what's right. Amen. I was talking to a fellow the other day. I believe it was Eddie's story. We was talking about a preacher out on the beach with his shirt all undone and shirt off and all that. And that stuff spattered all over the internet for people to see. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. If he wants to go to the beach and get in the water and run in his shorts and all kinds, I don't care about that. That's his business. But don't put that on the world and say, I'm a preacher. Look at my gold and look at my hairy chest. No, sir, I don't want to see you hairy chest. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. If you're going to get naked, don't let it, don't let all the world see it. Right. Right. Amen. If you're going to slip around and get you a dip of snuff every once in a while, don't bring it in somebody's face while you tell them about the Lord Jesus that loved you and died for you. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's right. If you ain't if you ain't got it once yet, God's going to help you whoop it. By the way. Amen. You say, how do you know? I got personal experience right there. Amen. I started chewing that Copenhagen. And I didn't start with Copenhagen. I started with that skull. Back then, it had a cowboy hat. It cost about 70 cents. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Ain't that ridiculous? Amen. That's ridiculous. Right. Amen. Right. It is. It is. But it is what it is. So I chewed it for a long time. And, and, and one time I said, I ain't got no convictions about this. <laughs> oh, and the Lord just kept Right. <laughs> And one day it caught on my hook. One day I was standing out there saying, and I ain't got one conviction on them. <laughs> and the Lord's going to do you the same way. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. You say, I ain't got no conviction. I don't care what it is you ain't got no convictions about. You just wait. The Lord's going to come around. Yeah. If you've got any doubts about what you're doing, don't do it where somebody else can be led astray by. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Right. If you're saved, and I believe most of you here tonight are, Lord's going to deal with you about those. And you know what? Along them lines right there, I ain't even got to stop. I mean, I, I told you what mine was, that old snub. But I guarantee you. Right. You know what it is. Amen. And I'd get to them all if it was time, but Lord, we got a lot to work with right here in these five verses. You want to reign with Christ, you better walk up rightly. And just so you didn't misunderstood, this next thing is the it's the same thing. Walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. Work, worketh righteousness is a description of walking uprightly. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. And and I'm talking about you. Your presentation to the world, they ought to say, hey, he's walking upright. He's doing right. 
I never will forget, I got out of the Marine Corps and spent a little time wallowing around and finally got back into church and the very, I mean, the Lord dealt with, I mean, the book, the Lord, I'm talking about hooking you in the jaw, the Lord got my attention and the very next day at work, my boss man called me and said, hey, you sick today? I said, no, I ain't sick. He said, there's something different today. What, what's, what's the matter with you? I said, got right with God yesterday. Yeah. I got, I mean, you know what I did? I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but I'll go ahead and tell you right now. You know what I told him? I didn't tell that man I got right with God. I told him I got saved. Amen. Because 2 Peter chapter 2 says you as a Christian can live so bad that you forget you was purged from your old sins. Yeah. Yeah. I know many a Christian get so far from God they thought they was lost, went back and made another profession. And after, after I told him I got saved, that was all well and good. That explained why I was... I guess retarded to him. Yeah. It's funny that when a man gets right with God and starts acting right, the church of God man thinks you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, yes, sir. But anyway, that's a different story for a different time. We'll, we'll get to that. Yes, sir. But I tell you what, after I got to look at my Bible and read it, God highlighted Second Peter chapter one to me. That's one of the first things He highlighted to me. And I said, you know what? I went lost. When I was a boy, I asked God to save me. He'd done exactly what He said He would. He saved my soul. But it wasn't, wasn't God's fault that I, I was living like a reprobate. That was mine. Right. I forgot I was cursed from mine. Right. Yes, sir. God ain't never been unfaithful not one day. Amen. Not one time. Amen. Amen. And so what does He want for His children? He wants them to walk uprightly. He wants them to walk right, uprightly. He said, walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. You see that? Speaks the truth in his heart. Boy, when you get saved, you're dealing with the truth. When you start studying your Bible, you're dealing with the truth. Huh? Yeah. The Bible says he speaks the truth in his heart. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says all men are liars. Every single one of us are liars. We'll have a good time exploring this point. <laughs> the wife says, uh, do, I look, do I look fat in this dress? And you ain't meaning to lie. <laughs> Are you? You ain't meaning to tell no lie. Of course, my wife's wonderful and beautiful. <laughs> but I tell you what, you ain't about to tell the truth about that one, are you? You ain't got enough goods. <laughs> Thought you looked better than the day we got married. That's true. <laughs> you better be glad you said that. You know, not every man wakes up every day to lie. I mean, some people do. Some people, I mean, they can't wait to tell a lie. They'd rather climb a tree alive than stand flat-footed on the ground and tell you the truth. I mean, I've got a cousin that will flat out tell you a bald-faced lie. Remember I told you this morning about the lady that my mama fought she was telling all that? That's her son. He is a liar. He is a liar. He is a liar. I mean, he... We grew up, we loved football. And we played football together. And one time I went home on leave and he said, I'm thinking about signing up for the Dallas Cowboys. What? You don't sign up to play professional football. Oh, they called me. Oh, open tryouts. 
restaurant but if they're if most of them's worth what their food tastes like I know he ain't making twenty five dollars <coughs> but some people get up they want to lie to you they want to make everybody think that I'm better than what I really am or I'm more special than you know maybe you don't see me as special as I really am so I'm gonna tell you about how but see once people get saved, they're not supposed to do that no more. And while it is that all men are liars, and I realize probably every one of us has told a liar two since we've been saved. Right. I bet you if you got the Christian heart you ought to have, you're not going to look, you're not going to look to tell somebody lies. The Bible says you tell the truth in your heart. You know what? I've said some things, and I've I've, I've preached something, and something come out of my mouth. And sometimes you get ahead of yourself and the gears start turning and something be not exactly the way it happened or not. And boy, my heart will, oh man. And if I accidentally get something wrong, if I say, the Bible says this and it don't say that, and I get home and I see something, boy, my heart bothers me. And I'm not going to pad one line with another line. I'll come back to church and say, look, I said this and it wasn't exactly so. One time I, now listen, this honest to goodness truth. One time I was standing up preaching and I said, the Bible says, in everything give thanks, not for everything give thanks. And I made a little point of that. But I got home found that wasn't so. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, and for everything give thanks. So I can come back to church and say, hey, I made a mistake right there. Uh, Mr. Louie was over there one day and I said, the, I said, the Marines took heartbreak ribs and the Army took it over. I come back that night and I said, you know, I got to looking at that thing. That ain't the way it looks. He said, well, why bother? I mean, it's by, nobody even remembered it by that night. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I bet Louie did. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the army unit that went up there and got it. I'll tell you what, I, 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 did, I, I didn't want to let that thing rest. Right. You say, why? Because Jesus Christ is in my heart. I want to tell the truth. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. That's right. He says he tells the truth in his heart. He speaks the truth in his heart. Now what most people do is they lie to themselves in their heart. I'm okay. You know what a Christian will do? He'll tell the truth in his heart and he'll say that preacher's right. Or he'll say the Bible's right. Or he'll say that gospel tract's right. Or whatever the case may be. Now a lot of Christians today are telling lies in their heart. They're saying, the preacher says, you need to get right and the Christians will say, I'm already right. They're lying to themselves. You ain't lying to God. You ain't lying to me neither. Amen? That's right. You say, who are you? Nobody. But you ain't lying to me. Amen. I went to talk to people and they said, well, I'm doing all right, preacher. No. It's writ right across your forehead you ain't doing all right. 
I don't need to come to church, preacher. No, it's written right across your forehead you need to come to church. Of course, you don't got to be no diviner to see that. Everybody needs to go to church. Amen. That's right. You're lying to yourself. You ain't lying to nobody else. That's right. Just tell the truth in your heart. You'll feel better that way. Amen. You sure will. We just on verse 3. Lord, help us. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. Let's see how quiet it can get right there. Let me say this to you about your Christian life. If you got something to say about somebody, just go ahead and say it to them. Backbite is running around saying stuff about somebody else. You ain't supposed to do that. Amen? You ain't supposed to do that. If I can't walk up to Brother John and say, your shirt's blue, then I shouldn't talk about it at all. And of course, you know that's a silly little illustration right there. But some people are so spiritual, they'll run around and say everything about everybody under the sun. He's so bad, he's so rotten, he's so terrible, but won't bother to tell them. What if they don't know? Amen. Yeah. His breath stinks. His breath stinks. Well, tell him he's the one that needs to brush his teeth. Don't tell me his breath stinks. I can't brush it for him. But people run right to the preacher. Preacher, you know what so and so does? Well, I don't really know. I'm not following around people with my spyglass. You must be, though. If you got something to tell, I mean, what are you doing? Are you 007? You following them around? You on a secret mission? God give you a Delta Force Priority One and have you go around? No, no, he ain't done that. The Bible says don't backbite. The Bible says those that backbite, they're not going to be the ones to rule with them. No, you're talking about ruling and reigning. You're talking about empire. The Lord can't have nobody that spills state secrets. The Lord wouldn't hire Hillary Clinton to wash his bathroom. Amen. The preacher, you're not supposed to talk about that stuff in church. You just... Well, I'm not going to say that. I said she ain't worth cleaning the bathroom. Amen. That's what I said. President. How you going to be president with you when you ain't worth being the janitor? Amen. That's right. Well, here he says, you say, well, she ain't here to defend herself. Well, she got on TV. Amen. Anyways. Boy, look how quiet that is. Y'all ain't been running my folks down behind their back, have you? Boy, it got, it got quiet right there. We'll call, out, we'll, we'll call an altar call right there. Oh, every head bowed and every eye closed. Hey, just hush about people. Talk to God about them. That's right. Amen. If you're that concerned about it, somebody, people come and say, you intend on talking to so-and-so about such and such? No, I don't have no intentions about that at all. And I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't see the ministry that way. I don't see it that way. God called me to preach, and I'm gonna to come to the pulpit and preach. And I got just enough confidence in God 
to know that when He wants you to preach about your backbiting, He'll give me a message on it. And if He wants to preach about the drinking, or if He wants a sermon on modesty, or if He wants a message on greed, the Lord will give me one. Right. Amen. So you know so and so doing such and such. Yeah, I can see stuff like that. But listen, I'm not your master. I'm not your ruler. I'm just a preacher. And God gives me a message. It'll be twice as effective when you hear it as a message than me coming down there meddling your business. Now I just want you to stop. That's right. What am I going to be able to do about that? You can't even change that. A lot of times, listen, you start messing with people in your time, it ain't going to have no effect. Listen, those people you're talking about that needs to get right, they can't even get right until God deals with their heart and changes their heart about right. those things. You talking bad about them, they going to change their heart, going to make them mad. Amen. You talking about them ain't going to change their heart, it's just going to make them bitter. And they'll even say, them people down at the church talking bad about me. Right. A preacher don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. And when God says preach on it, I'll preach on it. And here's another thing about that that I find very interesting. God will let me know somebody's messing around and I'll let that thing go for six months and not get on to nothing about it or not say nothing about it because everything don't have to be fixed right now. It just has to be fixed in God's time. And the very night, six months, eight months later that God gives me a message on it, I'll come preach it. And that person will lay out. You think this ain't a spiritual? And I hate to use the word game, but there's something spiritual going on here. And if you can miss at exactly the time your message comes up, you just missed it. That's right. You just missed it. Amen. Right. You say, well, wouldn't you go to them as a last resort? Sure I would. Sure, I'd go try to help somebody from breaking their neck. But a lot of times when people do wrong, they're not breaking their neck, they're breaking your neck. They're breaking the goody two-shoes thing. Oh, it's killing me that they're living that way. What they mean is, is they're mad because God's letting somebody else get away with something and ain't letting them get away with it. Ain't that right? Yep. That's about the size of it. You see somebody, oh, I hate all this. I hate the way these women are dressing. No, you mean you'd like to see more of that and you can't get away with it or you'd like to do it. That's what's wrong. Right? That's what's wrong with that. Yeah, you're a goody two-shoes is what you are. Hush your mouth and let God deal with folks. Amen. I know it's true. I know it's true, Brother Tommy. I know it's true. I have seen it over and over and over again. Somebody visit this church for the first time and God give me a message and God, I mean, just... I mean, roll the bowling ball right down their alley and knock all their pins down and I've seen it happen enough to know God's in control of what we preach on around here. I know it. I believe it. I give Him all the credit. All I am is just a little wind-up toy that God sets up and winds it up tight. Here I go. (laughs) And I don't mind being that either. Amen. Because I'm just not smart enough to line this thing out where I can get the message you need right now. And God told me. God gave me a word. A word for you. No, no, no. That's a bunch of baloney right there. I believe I'll just let God take care of it, okay? Amen. Stop you back backbiting. Amen. Amen? He says, He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil, evil to his neighbor. Y'all remember what the gospel defined as your neighbor, right? It's whoever you pass by. Y'all read the story of the Good Samaritan? Well, that was his neighbor. 
the neighbor the neighbor's the one that come by and did something for him. Amen. Well, he said, "He that nor doeth they, he said, he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor." Don't do. Hey, you borrow something from your neighbor, give it back to him. Man, you keep his stuff. You're keeping something that belongs to him. That's his stuff. Amen. You say, well, that's just a silly little example. Well, it's the only one you're getting right now. Amen. I want to move on here. But I will say this. You're supposed to have the benefit of your neighbor in mind, not what you can get from him. That's in the commandments. You're not to covet your neighbor's stuff. Hey, i got to have his. I'm going to do something to be able to get what he's got. No, get you a job and work hard and get what he's got. Amen. If you're, and if you're 21 years old, forget about it. It's going to take a while. If you're 21, your neighbor's 90, just give it up. Amen? Because he done worked 50 years to get what he's got, and you've been around about three minutes. Keep your eyeballs off his stuff. You'll be better off. Amen? Off his tractor and off his house and off his wife and everything else he's got. Amen? Nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Don't talk bad about him neither. Well, he just got all that because he cheated on his taxes. Ain't that how bitter people are? You show up in a new vehicle and they say, Well, don't you make the money? Shut up. I mean, that's just a bunch of bitter, jealous talk. Right. Look, I guess guess he probably... I guess he probably... Stole that from somebody. <laughs> hey, that's what this world this world's teaching you to do that. Yeah. Did you know did you know in this world people used to have what in this country, not the world, but in this country we had something special. They called it an American dream. Yeah. Where if you was dirt poor and got out and found something you could do good and busted your knuckles doing it, you could make a few dollars and you know that ain't that you can still do that. Yeah. What it is most people too. Lazy to do it. I heard lazy and sorry. Boy, those are both right words. They just too lazy and sorry to get at it. That's it. Amen. But you know they they find something they could do well, and then they put their hand to it. And I don't care if it was just wood carving or sewing blankets or digging the ground and planting potatoes. They put their hand to it and made some money, and they took that money and put it back into what they was doing, and they built little on a little till they had something. And now we live in a world where, where the, the, the communists and the socialists has got everybody twisted around and they told them it by television. That's right. right. Amen. So well, if he's got money, he must have stolen something. If he got money, he must have oppressed a little man in order. Yeah, that's right. That's what they say. You know, I heard a man say, I heard a man say the other day, he said, if it wasn't for Walmart, all these little stores would still be in business. I said, I don't see nobody trying to start no little stores. Went for Walmart, we'd all starve. Wouldn't be nobody selling nothing. <laughs> you say, I don't believe that. Hey, go up there on Main Street. Little fellow opened the store on Main Street. You can buy something in there. Anything. I call it the little Walmart every time I go in there. I say, hey, little Walmart. You can buy anything in there. And there they are just selling away. You know what it is? Most people want to blame the problems on everybody else. Oh, it's, it's the rich man's fault. It's Walmart's fault. It's the corporation's fault. Man, you've been watching too much YouTube. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if you want to make something out of yourself, get off of YouTube, get out there and do some yeah. work and see right. what happens. Right. Amen. Amen. Good preaching. But he said, he's talking about reproaching. The only context that could fall in is the coveting your neighbor stuff. He said you don't, you don't reproach your neighbor. That's the only context it falls in. Well, he wouldn't have that if he wouldn't. I guarantee you there's some crooks and criminals. But what you're doing coveting after a criminal? I think television taught you to do that too. Somebody acts like a gangster and talks like a gangster, talks like a bad guy. People want to emulate that. People running around emulating Al Capone and trying to be like Jesse James. Oh, how about being like how about being like Paul the Apostle? How about being like Jesus? See all these kids at the youth rallies running around in Batman suits. I mean, why don't you have Jesus suits? You'll put on all these plays. I mean, forget Iron Man. Why not why not put on something about Jesus if you're gonna do it that way? Right. Kids have well. That's a different message. Let me get on. Take it he says, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes oh in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. That means you don't like him. Did y'all know I don't like Marilyn Manson? I don't like that fella. I think he's a weirdo. I think if I caught him in my yard late at night, I'd probably shoot at him. And if I had my shotgun handy, I might kill him. Take that four can and pepper him with some bird shot. See how fast he could run. Put a timer on him. You say, well, I don't like him. All these Christians, well, I think you ought to love them. Well, I think you ought to love people and, 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 and want to uh, see people get saved, want to see people get right with God. That boy's daddy's a preacher. He Listen, that mutt, because that's what he looks like, he looks like a mix right. between about seven or eight different animals. That mutt chose to be that way. Right. He had the opportunity to go with God and he chose to be what he is. Yeah. Right. And I don't like folks like that. And I don't want my kids and their folks like that. Amen. And I, listen, I don't care what you say about missionaries. I wouldn't take my kids around them in order to get them right. Yeah. Oh, brother Mike, you don't have the missionary spirit. That's right. Not when it comes to my kids. I don't. Now, if I get 70 years old and my kids grown, God wants to call me to Africa, fine, I'll go. But I wouldn't take my kids. I wouldn't take my kids to South Africa right now for nothing. Amen. When they got a ninety-eight percent rape rate, right. and when you pull up to a stop sign in Johannesburg, you can't stop. You just got to tap your brakes and make sure you can get through, because you'll get robbed at gunpoint if you stop. Yes, sir. Oh yeah. But they got a big picture out there on ninety-five of Nelson Mandela, who's ruling and reigning over that junk. Who made it the way it is? Right. I go up and down 95 between between Florida and and Delaware. You wouldn't believe how many Nelson Mandela signs. He's a great hero in quotation. I don't want to hear nothing he's got to say. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I see people. Oh, Michael Jackson. Oh, world didn't lose nothing there. That's right. No, sir. That's right. That ain't no loss. A couple of weeks ago, oh, a couple of weeks ago, listen, Nancy Reagan died, and the White House didn't even look her way. And a couple of days later, faggot Prince dies, and oh, my soul, the world has come to an end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, could care less. That's right. Yeah, could care less. 
Hey, I'll tell you this, Nancy Reagan probably got more character than any president that's ever sat on the White House lawn. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't care what you think about Ronald Reagan. Nancy Reagan was a Christian woman. Yes, sir. That's right. You say, well, she wasn't a very good Christian. Well, you ain't neither. Amen. Amen. You say, what's wrong with the world? People got their eyes on the, on the reprobates. People worshiping the reprobates. I'm not for that. Not for that. See, that's the kind of talk Paul was talking about over there in the New Testament that got him put in jail. He'd stand up in the, he'd stand up in the, uh, in the middle of town and say, Dying of the Ephesians is from the devil. That's who they was worshiping. I mean, I mean, the people that everybody said, Oh, Diana, come down from heaven. And Paul the Apostle got out there and said, She's a dead, deadly reprobate. She was a viper. She's a snake. She'll bite you and kill you. They hauled him off to jail. Stoned him with stones at Lystra. They got up and said, Hey, he's taking away our money. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Brother Mike. Brother Mike's so insensitive to the... When it comes to Prince, yes, sir. What kind of name is that anyway? I heard several years ago he changed his name to some kind of symbol. I said, what was it? A question mark? (laughs) Some kind of squiggly line with this... Every time I seen him, the only thing I had was a question mark. Is it a he or a she? And if I can't tell if you're a he or a she, I'm definitely going to stay away from you. Amen. That's right. That's that's wise. Amen. Well, let's move on there. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fears the Lord. Do you honor those that fear the Lord? Hey, there's where you do. Hey, Lester Roloff. That's my hero. Carl Lackey, that's my hero. You know what I find? I go back to these preachers that I love, everybody hate them. And you go to camp meetings now, and they'll still talk about them men being dead. I mean, Lester Roloff died in 83. Carl Lackey died in 93. You'll go to these camp meetings around town, these independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist churches, and they'll still talk about it. Them good old preachers, them old Lester Roloff, them old Carl Lackey, they and they wouldn't no more like Carl Lackey today if they if he was standing here on the planet, they wouldn't let him preach, they wouldn't call on him to preach if they had to show up. Yeah. This fellow down here, everybody talks about well, Larry Montgomery, he got a bad deal. If he was here today, you wouldn't even like him. Right. If he was around today, you wouldn't let him preach. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 That's right. You got your heroes messed up. You got your heroes messed up. I got news for you. Superman's fake. Yeah. Mickey Mouse ain't real. <clears throat> sorry, children. I'm sorry. Right. You got to walk on eggshells now because most kids think all this stuff's real. Right. They think that's the way to go. Hey, they're not my heroes. I'm not going to raise my kid worse than that mess. That's right. You say, I want to be safe. I want to be safe. When I get up in the pulpit and I get done preaching, I want these fellas to know that women that act like the women that all these kids are running after and and, and trying to get their autograph, I want these boys to know them women's is trans. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Jezebel. Yeah. Right. Hmm? Amen. Have y'all seen Miley Cyrus lately? Y'all know who made that tramp, don't you? The same person that made Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You think about that just a minute. Next time you take your little kid down there and ride the rise. Yeah. The same, the same, the same, the same devil that made Mickey Mouse made Miley Cyrus. Amen. That's a good preacher. Mm hmm. Good for you. Amen. Amen. In whose vile, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He honoreth them that fear the Lord. Amen. That's good. He sweareth to his own hurt, and we just got a few more minutes to go. He said, "He sweareth to his own hurt, and repenteth not." You know what that's talking about? He said, I'll help you. Come hell or high water, I'll be there. Yeah. You ever had somebody tell you that? Hey, Clint, I'll be over there tomorrow and help you get that motor out of that truck. I'll be there. 9.30 at night. Where you at? You said you'd come to help me. Well, you know, oh, I just couldn't get away. <laughs> That's the way people are living this day and time. Oh, Henry, I'll come help you move that couch tomorrow. I'll be there. The Bible says swears to his herd. Hey, if it kills me, I'll do it. That's the way people talk. I'll be your friend to the end. Well, if you give your word, you ought to. What he's talking about there, swearing to your herd. When you give your word, I mean, if it breaks your back, you ought to keep it. If it costs you everything you've got, you ought to keep it. Hey, if it takes every dime you've got in order to keep your word, it's better to lose your dimes than lose your word. Your word's all you've got. Your word's how you're measured. Your word is how people know whether to put trust in you or not. Man, I'm sure I'm absolutely positive. Tommy and uh, Spike back there can tell you that about a hundred thousand men said, "Yeah, I'm gonna work for you. Thank you for this job." I and let them out of the truck at nine o'clock at night and say, "I'll be, I'll be ready to go tomorrow." Was they ready to go tomorrow? Probably ain't seen them since. They probably didn't want to check for that day, did they? Cause people sorry. Right. Amen. People are not gonna keep their word. Listen, if you can't keep your word, you better crawl over there to the fellow you made your word to and beg him and explain him the reason why you can't. Swears to you hurt. You say, well, that would hurt my that would that, that that would hurt my feelings to have to go. Better hurt your feelings and hurt your hurt your name, give you a bad name. Because I tell you what, a man that don't got no good name and a man that don't got no good word, he ain't gonna have no place to rule and reign in heaven. Yeah. I can tell you that because that seat of authority, you know who that belongs to? That belongs to a God that's kept His word every day. I say it belongs to a God that's kept His Word every day. In Bible school, I told the preachers in this, in this church, I told the preachers, I said, don't you ever tell a story that you read out of some book 
like it was something that was true. And preachers do that every day. They'll get up there. You ever notice that when I preach, I don't tell a lot of illustrations unless it has to do with me or something that I went through or something that I experienced. Because a lot of preachers will stand up and tell you a tear-jerking story like it was gospel truth, and everybody will all get affected by it, and it never did happen. That's something some preacher just made up. Listen, I got it for Christmas one time, and it's in there under my desk, and I've never used it. It's called a thousand or ten thousand sermon illustrations. Illustrations of dime a dozen. That don't mean they're all true. I told these preachers, I say, hey, use God's stories. If you're going to preach something that's true, there'll be something in the Old Testament that'll be just like what you're talking about. Tell those stories. Tell something that happened to you. Tell something that God done for you. Don't tell a lie in order to make a point. You'll make the point lie. Right. About the black liners. You know what the Bible says about our modern day leaders? You do know the Bible talks about Barack Obama in it, don't you? Sure does. Great prophecy. Book of Proverbs, it says, If a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are with That's what it says. He said, If a ruler will listen to lies, it means everybody that works for him is with him. How does it feel to know there's not one man in the White House that works for the president? That's not wicked. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible, that's right. The Bible is right. It absolutely is. Well, does he hearken to lies? He sure does. Let me ask you this. Should a congregation of a church have to hearken to lies? No, sir. You tell the truth. You get up and tell the truth. You get up and say what's right. Amen. You, when you swear something or say something, it ought to be right. Amen. Amen. Right. He sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. I tell you, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Right. Well, I'd like to rule and reign with Christ. You better keep your word then. Putteth not out his money to usury. In other words, he don't say, well, I'll loan you $10 and I'll take 12 back. Right. That's not supposed to do that. You know, every bank on the planet that lends money that way, is out of God's will. Now God knew they'd do it. But God said you're not supposed to lend your money. There won't, one, there won't be one national banker ruling and reigning in God's economy. You say, why not? Because He said right there, if you was going to reign with Him, you're not to lend out your money for usury. That just cuts Him right off. And then you get over to the book of James. Rich man better humble down. Yes, sir. I told you this morning, I don't expect people to pay me back if I give them something. You say, why not? Put it not out as money to usury. That means interest, by the way. Interest. You learned an old, you learned an archaic word today. Usury means interest. Now look, now taketh a reward against the innocent. Amen, that's good. If somebody ain't done nothing wrong, you don't frame them up like they've done something wrong in order to get away with it. You know probably everybody in here is guilty of that. If you got a brother. <laughs> Which one of you boys tore down my clothesline? You say, what was the reward? You're just trying to get out of a whooping. Well, see, that's maybe a silly little illustration, but that's what it is. You pass the buck off and let somebody else get in trouble so you don't have to. Or so that you can get an advantage. 
Yeah. We almost to the end. Amen. He, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh a reward against the innocent. Now look, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. That's the most concrete way to live. You say, hey, I want to live for God and I don't want to fall out next year. Hey, I want to live for God and I don't want to be found uh, by the wayside. Uh, ten years down the road, I don't want to find me in the ditch when I used to say, hey, I love God. I, hey, I don't want to be the kind of person that will quote Scripture to you today and be found drunk tomorrow. Hey, the Bible said if you'll do those things, if you'll keep your word, if you'll do right, if you'll try to put out a good testimony before the people, if you'll keep your word, the Bible said you'll live just like a concrete slab. You're not going to be moved. You're not going to be moved. The Bible talks about them people that just do any old thing they want to in the New Testament. He says they're driven by every wind of doctrine. One thing comes through and it'll blow them over here. And boy, if somebody comes through that loves God, they'll get interested. Oh yeah. Somebody that comes through and wants to run to the rock and roll party. Oh yeah, I'll go over there. And you've seen people like that, haven't you just blow them just anywhere. I mean, the wind comes by and blows them in any direction the devil wants to take them in. But the Bible says we're not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to set our heart on doing right and keep on going. Yeah. Keep on going. God give us a good, a good little lesson in living right there in that little short chapter. And the Bible says if you want to rule and reign with Christ, the rapture takes place and the kingdom of God is set up on this earth. He said if you want to rule and reign with Him, Right there's a good word, a good place to start right there. Boy, hey, that's a lot of stuff. We can go over to chapter 5 of Matthew and just keep adding to the list. You never arrive. Oh, I got chapter 15 here. Oh, straight down. I'm good to go. No, no, no. You just get started. There ain't not one of them. There ain't not one. Boy, I failed all my English tests today, ain't I? Y'all don't pay attention to the way I talk. Listen here. You, you get three little four little verses down that you just begin. Uh, you, what I'm trying to say is none of us here ought to ever think we've arrived just because we got one or two things. We got the victory in one or two areas in our life. Hey, your Christian life is keep on getting the victory. Keep on getting the victory. Keep on getting the victory. God's got more victories for you. God's got more victories for you than you've ever imagined. And God's got more peace out beyond those victories than you've ever imagined. That's absolute God's truth. God wants to give you a life that's unbelievable. And I'm not even talking about when you get to heaven. I'm talking about right here. The Bible says God has given us all things freely to enjoy. And when He said that, He wasn't talking about heaven. He's talking about right here, right now. You can live in such a way that God gives you massive victories in your life. You can, you can do it. You can do it. God's, gave you, God's gave you His Spirit to make you be able to do it. Amen. I've heard people say, Preacher, I'd quit doing this, but I just can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If there was an old boy in here still smoking cigarettes, you can quit that. Right. You can quit right. that. And not only would it be a good testimony before the Lord, but it would help you live another day or two. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I believe that. God give you some victories in your life. He wants to give you those victories in your life. Say, so, preacher, you preach mean to us, but I ain't preached to hurt you not one time. Not one right. time. Not one time. God wants to help you with these things. If you'll listen. Nathan, you come.